We'll likely take this in two times and not in one. <clears throat> I have some pictures for you tonight to show. Uh, just that helps uh, people to, uh, especially visually, people that are uh, learn more by visuals. So, and some of the notes I have on the overhead as well. Um, just want to make sure I get it right here now. Get myself a little organized. Okay, so we'll first um, read the chapter, Revelation 12, starting at verse 1. <clears throat> now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail. Nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth, like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman. 
And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now we'll ask the Lord for a blessing on this chapter. Our Father, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you that your word is a a lamp for our feet and a light unto our path. And we thank you that your word is truth and your word has authority. And Father, we pray that tonight we may not only be hearers of your word, but doers as well. We pray that you may help us to also understand your word and that we may recognize the Lord Jesus in your word as well and that our hearts may be drawn to him. And we pray, Father, that uh, the name of the Lord Jesus may be honored and glorified and that we all may be edified tonight. We ask you these things and we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Now, maybe you can put up the first slide. I see you have that already. He's quicker than me. So, um, I just want to emphasize we've been looking at three or so far at two series of judgment but there's a third one coming. And so those three series of judgments were the seven seals, starting in chapter 5, I should really say, but in chapter 5 they're mentioned, but in chapter 6 we see them uh, coming, uh, uh, we see them loosed. And so these judgments, they mark the beginning of God's judgments. And that is going to be in the great tribulation. So after the church is raptured to glory, then there will be a seven-year tribulation, which is in correspondence with the week, the 70th week of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. And so we saw that in chapter 5, there is a book, and only the Lord Jesus is worthy and able to open the seals of that book. Now that book is really the, basically the title deed to this earth. The Lord Jesus is the rightful owner, first of all because he is the Son of God, but also because he is the Son of Man, and he has acquired this title deed by, on, by virtue of his death and his resurrection. And so he opens these seals, and this marks the beginning of God's judgments in that period of time that is to come. Now, these judgments, they seem, they look like indirect interventions of uh, God affecting nature's elements. So it looks like uh, uh, disasters happening in, in nature. And then you come to the second series of judgments, and those are the trumpets. Now, trumpets in the Bible were used for different things, but one of the uh, one of the things they were used for, they were used for a cry to war. They were used in, in warfare. And so those seven trumpets, they sound and they mark an increase in, uh, of the severity of God's judgment. And so if you look at those, uh, as we did in chapter 8 and 9, if you look at those judgments, they are more severe than the seven seals. And so also I need to say, sometimes people say, well, are these uh, three series of judgments, are they concurrent? That means, do they happen at the same time? Or are they in successive order? Well, I believe they happen in successive order because out of the seventh seal, 
the seven trumpets come, and out of the seventh trumpet, the seven uh, bowls are coming. And so they seem, it seems the, the more uh, plain reading in the book, in this book, seems to be that they are successive or consecutive. And then the last series of judgments, and that is what we will see in chapter 15 and 16, are the seven bowls that gives you the idea of, or as the King James calls it, vials, but it's bowls, that are the God's judgment is being poured out. And so this marks the completion of God's judgment that will be happening on the earth. And... Um, and so and God is not a God that uh, de- de- delights in judgment. He doesn't delight in that. But he has to, to be true to his own nature, to his own attributes. And God only judges after he has warned men for a long time. For God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so God is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should come to re- that, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, as it says somewhere in the Old Testament, I, I don't know exactly where, um, that judgment is God's strange work. And so, God is a God of grace, but He is also a holy God. Now, then we come to this chapter, and uh, at the beginning I had shown a. A chart that kind of show, shows the chronological order of this book, even though chronology is not the most important thing in the Bible. Chronology, thinking chronologically, is a very Western concept. Um, in the Bible, often the way things, uh, materials ordered is in the, uh, in the order of what is most important. However, chronology is not unimportant, and so... Within this chronological order, chapters 12 to chapter 15, verse 4, marks the third parenthesis in that chronological order. And so, what we find then, um, in chapter 12, we find Satan's purpose uh, to destroy Israel. We will see that the dragon is very clearly the devil, as it is said in... um, Verse, uh, let me see now. He's called the dragon in verse 3 and then again in verse 7. And it says in verse 9, that serpent of old, so that reminds us of Genesis 3, called the devil and Satan. And the woman here is Israel. And the woman here is not the church. And so that is what uh, amillennialists believe, because they do not see, they, they believe that um, the church is the replacement of Israel and the continuation of Israel, but Israel is distinct from the church. And it is the woman that brings forth the child, and the child is very clearly the Lord Jesus. He was caught up to God as it says at the end of verse 5. And so, who brought forth the child? Now, you might say Mary. That is true. But really, it was the nation of Israel that brought forth uh, the Messiah. And they lived in that expectation for hundreds and hundreds of years to uh, the expectation of the Messiah. And then in chapter 13, you find Satan's puppets. Satan's puppets. The two beasts. The beast out of the sea, or from the sea, and the beast from the earth. And then in chapter 14, uh, 
we find there the prelude to Satan's defeat and Christ's victory. And, um, and then in chapter 15, the first four verses, we, gain, we find there the praise of the Lamb, the praise to the Lamb. Now, it's important that when you read chapter 12, that we need to understand that behind earthly powers, as you see in chapter 13, the, the beast, the first beast, most likely the first beast is the Antichrist, um, that behind earthly powers are angelic beings. And so if you, you see that already in the book of Daniel, for example, in Daniel chapter 10, you see there that Daniel is praying, and it's, then it says there, maybe we should just turn to that, since I'm going to cover this in two times, I don't have to be in a rush. And I think it's important to understand this particular aspect clearly. Daniel chapter 10, Daniel prays there for three weeks. And then after three weeks, he finally gets an answer to his, um, to his request. And notice um, what it says um, in verse 4, then he gets an answer. He, uh, he sees a certain man clothed in linen, and he sees this all in a vision. And then he says, that angel says, in verse 11 of Daniel 10, And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand up right, upright, for I have now been sent to you. And while he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Now notice this, the following few verses. Then he said to me, do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So you have to understand here now, uh, Daniel is a Jew. The enemy at this point in time of the Jews was Persia. And then he says, in halfway verse 13, And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now this is an angel speaking. Okay, Michael, in chapter 12, verse 1, is called, uh, Michael shall stand up, at that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. Your people. And in chapter 10, verse... Uh, there's one verse here where he's actually called Michael, your prince. I kind of lost that. Let me see now. Verse 13 in chapter 11? Yes. Chapter, 10. chapter 10. Ah, there it is. Okay. He's there. Yeah, he's called there Michael, one of the chief princes. I just read that. But I thought there was another verse. Where yeah. I actually, I thought it was a third verse because I read that one just too, so. <laughs> but that's, that's okay. Um, 
10.21. Okay. Yes, the last phrase of chapter 10. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. That is, Israel's prince. So Michael is the angelic representative of Israel. Now notice again in verse 13 of chapter 10. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So this is an angel speaking. Then go down to verse 20. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. Now here is an important thing to note. On earth, Greece was the enemy of Persia in those days, because that was the next kingdom after Persia. Greece became the dominant power, first under Alexander the Great. But in the angelic realm, in the realm of where the angels are, demons and angels, in the heavenlies, as Ephesians 6 verse 12 calls it, the heavenly uh, warfare in the heavenlies, all powers of the Gentiles that are that have demonic heads above them, they are all against God. Because this angel says, who is fighting on behalf of God and Israel, along with Michael, he says, the prince of Persia, that angelic head, is against me and against Israel and against God, and so is the angelic head of Greece. So on earth it may look like it's Greece against Persia, but in, from, the, from the prophetic standpoint and from the, uh, the standpoint of the heavenlies, it is all the powers of the demons, of the devil, against God's power. That's what it is. So we need to understand it. Now go back to Revelation 12. Because also in this chapter we find Michael. And so we, that is another uh, very strong indication that this is about Israel, not about the church. So, so in the light of this, what I just said, we find then in chapter 12 the powers that are behind the earthly powers of chapter 13. What's happening in the heavenly places. We sometimes don't know all this stuff, just like Daniel didn't know. But behind what's happening in the unseen world, there is warfare. And so we get a little glimpse of what will happen in that great tribulation. And that will be a time of terrible suffering for many people. Now, um, let's uh, look at some of the verses. So, verse 1. Now, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Now, what that means is, I believe, just like you see in the dream of Joseph, when he had his dream that he told to his brothers that the moon, the sun, and the stars, they all bow down before Joseph. And you remember his brothers got very upset about this. They said, who do you think you are? And so this is actually a sign of authority. So Israel, it's God's intention to eventually give, to put Israel in a place of authority in the coming kingdom. And so this woman is Israel. Then it says, it speaks there of the garland of 12 stars that just represents the 12 tribes of Israel. Then it says in verse 2, Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. 
And so the Lord Jesus was born out of Israel. And then in verse 3, this is the second sign in this chapter. And, and uh, uh, we shall see, I actually had an... an uh, uh, actually, I don't have it, I have it written down. But uh, there's three, three, three great signs in this chapter, 12 to 15, verse 5. There's the sign in heaven of a woman that is Israel. Here is the sign in verse 3 about the red fiery dragon, that's the devil. And then in chapter 15, verse 1, there is another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, and that represents the wrath of God, the wrath of God. So there's three signs in these chapters. And so another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon. Now maybe you can uh, put that picture up of... um, the second photo of the dragon and the woman. I know it's maybe not quite in order. I'm doing it a little differently than what I first intended. You don't see that. There should be a picture, a photo of a dragon and a woman. Anyway, that's actually an illustration of, um, of what's happening in this chapter. So a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. Now we will see in the next chapter that the first beast has a very similar description. And so again, the, the real power behind that beast is the devil. And then it says, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And that perhaps that could mean that he had many demons uh, fallen angels that were with him. Uh, I'm not quite sure what that could be, but that's one explanation for the third of the stars of heaven. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. Now we know from the story of Matthew, when the Lord Jesus was born, that who did, God, who did the devil use to persecute the Lord Jesus? It was Herod. The Herod the Great, he was not so great, but he tried to kill the Lord Jesus. And so we see that here again. And so the, the child, as soon as he was born, the, the dragon, the devil, wanted to destroy the child. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. Now that's a very clear reference to Psalm 2 verse 9 where it says of the Messiah that he shall rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. And so this, this is speaking of the ascension of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus was ascended up to heaven. Now you might say, well, why doesn't it say anything? It says something about his birth. It says something about his ascension. But it doesn't say anything about his death and his resurrection. Now we have to understand that this chapter is not just describing earthly events. This chapter is describing events as they relate to heaven. When the Lord Jesus was born, he came from heaven to earth. When he was ascended up, he went back from earth to heaven. And so uh, we do find the Lord's death and his resurrection mentioned a number of times in the book of Revelation. But in this context... We are seeing the warfare in the heavenlies. And so 
we see then that in this present time, the Lord Jesus is seated on the right hand of God. And so, <clears throat> then it says in verse 6, Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Now, why is the devil persecuting the Jews? Now, I, I, I wrote down some things about... Um, the history of anti-Semitism, because the Jewish people are probably the, there's no nation under the earth that has been so persecuted as that people. So maybe that's part of it. So when you think of, of, of anti-Semitism in the last 2,000 years, when Christianity became state religion, the emperors started persecuting the Jews very systematically. And one law after the other was passed by the Romans against uh, the Jews. And so that is a very dark picture. Now you might say, well, those, those, uh, when Christianity became state religion, some people have called that the fall into sin of the church. It was not so great. Of course, it was nice that the persecution stopped, but, but the, the church was compromised with the world. And so... The devil used that. And then as the uh, years went on, you had many other persecutions. You think of the Crusades. The, the Jews were much uh, targeted by that as well. And then in the 14th century, when you had the bubonic plague, that was also blamed on the Jews. And uh, in Austria and Germany, as a matter of fact, 100,000 Jews were burned alive in Europe. And then even Martin Luther, a man of God, but he had it all wrong about the Jewish people, especially towards the end of his life. In 1543, three years before he died, he wrote a book called The Jews and Their Lies. As a matter of fact, the Nazis reprinted that book in 1935 to uh, promote their anti-Semitic hatred. It's a terrible blemish upon the history of the church. And so, they did not see the difference between Israel and the church. And so, as a Christian, we should love the Jewish people. We don't have to agree with all what the Jewish people do. Most of the Jews are not Christians, but God has a plan for the Jewish people. And then, uh, Jews were expelled from different countries, uh, from England in 1290, from France in 1394, and Spain in the same year that Columbus discovered America and that the Muslims were cast out of Spain in 1492. I think many of you didn't even know that. But the Jews were all thrown out, and that's when most of them went to Poland and the Russia. And then, of course, the Russian Tsars, just before communism came, they persecuted the Jews tremendously. And then, of course, during the wartime, the same thing happened again. Even the communists... Uh, I read one time that Stalin, he wanted to eliminate all the Jews. He had plans on the table to eliminate all the Russian Jews. And then he died. And they took the plans off the table. So there has always been a strong anti-Semitism in the world. And how is it today? Maybe you can put up the other photo of uh, the UN condemnation of Israel. Now, so today we have the... The state of Israel, we don't have to agree with everything that the state of Israel does, but as we uh, find, the UN condemns Israel 
six times more than other nations. Most of the UN resolutions in all its history have been towards Israel, the only truly democratic country in the Middle East. How is that? There is anti-Semitism is all over the world, and it's a it's a tremendous uh, dark um, thing against the Jewish people. And so, why is that? Can, you cannot even explain this. For example, people in Pakistan they hate the Jews. As a matter of fact, a few months ago. I read a statement of a Pakistani uh, a politician who's, who called for the elimination of all the Jews. I mean, it's thousands of kilometers from Israel. They have nothing to do with each other. And yet they call for the elimination of the Jewish people. And so this is inspired by Satan. And um, um, that is a, a very dark thing. Now, and there's another thing I want to also... Um, show you am I okay so that is the picture there um, there's something I want to point out and that is about the place of the devil we see then in chapter in verse 7 and uh, to uh, uh, 12 that he is cast on the earth so let's just look at a few timeline of Satan's career and downfall and that is uh, should be around the fourth slide. Satan's career. So Satan was created, as it says in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, even though it talks there about the king of Babylon, about Babylon and, and uh, the king of Tyrus. But behind those uh, Gentile powers, there is Satan. And it's very clearly speaking there about Satan. Satan was created as a beautiful angel until... He was lifted up in pride, and then he was uh, thrown out from his elevated place. So where the devil is today is in um, the heavenlies, the heavenly places. And he goes about seeking whom he may devour. And so he appeared to Eve through a medium, the serpent, and he tempted both Adam and Eve to sin. And then, since the fall, he is... God, the enemy of God's people, the enemy of God, and specifically the enemy of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's continually at war with God and the saints. As it says in Ephesians 6, our warfare is against, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And then what will happen, and then now when the, you might say, okay, a millennialist believe that the devil was bound when the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. My statement to that is, if the devil is bound today, he is on a very long chain. Okay? He still deceives the nations. He still deceives the nations. And so, um, he is active, even though his power is, in principle, is broken through the work of the Lord Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. Now, I just want to um, show, and by the way, all my notes, for those of you who are watching online, all my notes are on the website, on the audio, uh, Rachel put them on, I want to show another uh, few points, and I have a slide on that too, already, but not yet, that should be at the beginning of the pictures, it says in Matthew 28, all of the Lord Jesus says, after his res- resurrection, all authority has, has been given to me, in heaven and on earth. 
It has been given to him. But in Hebrews 2 we read, But now we do not yet see all things put under him. So it's already, but not yet. So yes, in principle, the Lord has all authority. The devil can only do things by his permission. We also find that through death, in Hebrews 2, that through death, the Lord Jesus might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. He did that through his work on the cross and his resurrection. But yet, at the same time today, your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Already, but not yet. And then, finally, in Second Timothy 1, Jesus Christ, who has abolished or destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That word for abolished is rendered useless or rendered idle. He has done this. And yet we read in 1 Corinthians 15, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. It's still future. So this is where we are today. The devil in principle is defeated enemy. And yet he is still busy. And then until what happens here in this chapter, in chapter 12, um, is that the devil is cast on the earth. And so he's cast out of the heavenlies. This is halfway to three and a half year period. And he is cast on the earth. And he has a short time, as it says further on in, the ch- in uh, verse uh, 12. He has a short time. And so he has great wrath. And so the last three and a half years before the return of Christ on the clouds of heaven will be the most severe time in history. And so, and then from that point on, then the de- when the Lord Jesus comes back, then the Satan will be captured and he will be bound for a thousand years in the bottomless pit. And when that 1,000 years is over, he will be released for a short time. And then he will deceive the nations once more to fight against the Lord Jesus. And then the devil will be captured and thrown alive into the lake of fire. And so that is the, the career and the downfall of Satan. Now our time is... is uh, five past eight, so now it's open for questions and, and uh, comments. I just want to say we have one Wednesday where we can have a question and answer period, or if, if you have a question or answer, or you, it doesn't have to be about this subject, can be something else, we would like to hear from it, from you. And if you say, you know what, I would really like this part of prophecy to be a little bit more emphasized, well, we maybe we can spend one Wednesday on that or so. Whatever you might have that is burning at the top of your tongue to share or to have uh, to hear about, if you have a question or a comment, we would like to uh, you would like us to address and make that known to the elders, and uh, we'll deal we'll uh, do do that on a Wednesday. So comments and questions are welcome at this point. I, I, yeah, I believe so. That it says he came there in the before God, but he is. I believe he is. He cannot. He is not in that elevated place anymore. Of course, it's it's hard for us to picture what that all uh, entails. But he is the accuser of the brethren. We read as well. He's continually accusing. So there is some kind of uh, uh, communication between the devil and God. And you see that very clearly in Job chapter 1. Yeah. 
That's right. That, that, that will happen during halfway that tribulation. Then he will be t- cast out from, that, uh, from those heavenly places and his domain will just be on the earth. Yeah. Yes. So, say if there were other interpretations such as, well, there are interpretations of individuals uh, perceiving uh, the woman as the church, hence they would say that the 12 stars of, of her honor head would represent the 12 apostles, and then some would say that the woman would represent, well, the virgin mother. So, what, what, would, what would you say in regards to those two like objections, and, or those two interpretations? Well, I just want to say that to, to see the difference between we, we hold here the premillennial view and the other one is the amillennial view. You can't answer that question in one sentence. That's the first thing I want to say. But when we, before we started this out, uh, we, had a, we did a message on, on this subject on premillennialism and amillennialism and then you have postmillennialism as well. So... You could go to the website and listen to the message. But I'll, I'll just... Um, um, so to answer that question, to be an amillennialist, you basically have to be also believe in the replacement theology. That is, like we believe there is a future for Israel as a nation. Yeah? So today there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, as it says in Ephesians 2, uh, there's only one way of salvation, and that is through Christ. And then if, if, they, if they get saved today from Pentecost till the rapture, anybody gets saved, they belong to the body of Christ, the church. And so the bride of Christ is distinct from Israel. And so uh, in the Old Testament, you had there the nation of Israel. There was no church yet because the Lord Jesus says, in Matthew 16, when he first mentions the church, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So he was speaking there, being future. Okay? So he was going to build that after, the, the, um, after he rose from the dead, and actually on Pentecost Day, that's when the church started in Acts chapter 2. So then when, we, then when the rapture takes place, when the rapture of the church takes place, then God will take up dealings again with Israel. And that's what we find here in the Revelation uh, chapter 6 to, to the end. And so and that is all linked with the 70 weeks of Daniel in chapter 9. And so Daniel received a vision there. And he, uh, God said from... Uh, the building, the rebuilding of the temple, of, this, of the city, I should say, of the city Jerusalem, which happened in 445 B.C. On, and that started, you can read about it in Nehemiah 2 verse 1. Until the cutting off of the Messiah, the death of the Messiah, is 69 weeks. That is 69 sevens. That's what it literally means. That is 69 periods of seven years, which is 483 Years according to the lunar calendar. And that brings you to about 31, 32 AD. 
which was approximately when the Lord Jesus died. Then there is one week left, that 70th week. And so the church age sits between that 69th and that 70th week. And God again takes up dealings with, that, with Israel. He starts that prophetic clock again when that 70th week starts, which is also called the Great Tribulation, as it is said in Revelation 7. And so, um, and that runs till the end when the Lord Jesus comes in the clouds of heaven. Now, one reason why people believe in amillennialism, that is linked to allegorizing the scriptures. Because just look at how, how are the prophecies to, that are going to be fulfilled. Are they going to be fulfilled literally or figuratively? I believe it's literally. Just like the prophecies concerning the first coming of Christ were fulfilled literally. He was born literally in Bethlehem. He was born of a literal virgin. He was uh, literally despised and rejected by men. Uh, he literally was pierced in his sight, and there's many other such prophecies linked to his first coming that were literally fulfilled, which is a very strong indication that the prophecies concerning his second coming will also be literally fulfilled. So if we believe, if, if people believe that, that the church is uh, spiritual Israel, as it is said then, you have to allegorize and explain away a lot of the promises that were given to Israel. That is, like in, in the Old Testament, distinct promises were given to Israel that have not been fulfilled yet. And so what the amillennialist does, he transfers that to the church, and he says all the curses are for Israel, which is, which is inconsistent uh, interpretation of Scripture, I believe. And so... Uh, the, God has given promises to the nation of Israel which have not been fulfilled. Now, it will not be all of Israel, only a remnant. And that remnant of Israel will turn to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and they will profess the words of Isaiah 53 when he comes back. They will say, we thought that he was stricken by God and afflicted, but it was for our transgressions, for our sins it was. And we can say the same thing. And so... Um, so then at the end of that seven-year period, there will be a remnant of Israel that will be saved out of the great tribulation. And they will go into the kingdom as God had promised. And Israel will have a distinct place within that kingdom. And so the devil knows this. And so he persecutes the Jews. And the devil has used two ways in persecuting the Jews or in fighting the Jews, either by persecution or by assimilation, so that their distinction is lost. And so God... Uh, is for Israel. And today Israel is lo-ami, which means not my people. Because if a Jew gets saved today, he belongs to the church. And so uh, that's where we are at today. And so, yes, so if you look at it that way, you need to go back and back up. Okay, how do we look at all the prophecies as a total? Yeah. Well, it is true that, she, that he was born of the Virgin Mary, of course. Eh? 
But here in this chapter, for example, if the woman, in verse 1 and also in verse uh, 4, and then go down, if, if that is, let's say if that is the woman, if that, if that is the woman, there is the Virgin Mary. Now go down to verse four, uh, 13 and 14. Right. Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Right. Is there any, any hint in the New Testament that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was persecuted by the dragon? I don't see it. Okay. okay. So then it says in verse 14 that she was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. So that's why it's more consistent to say the woman in this chapter is Israel. She has, a he- uh, on her head is also a garland of 12 stars, because Israel is made up of 12 tribes. So you cannot say that the Virgin Mary was made up of 12 tribes. She was of the tribe of Judah. Eh? So it makes more sense to say that this woman represents Israel. A very good point here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. And our time is pretty well up, but if you have one more comment, somebody? No? Well, you can save up your comments for next week. And uh, so we'll probably start somewhere around seven, verse 7, and uh, we'll pick it up then. We'll just uh, close in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for your great love and your kindness to us. We thank you for sending your Son to be the Savior of the world. And Father, we thank you that um, when we think of the fact that the Lord Jesus came to a world that was marked by sin and death, and everything that was contrary to him, and that he came and that he was immediately persecuted by Herod, and really by the devil himself. Our Father, we thank you that he was willing to take such a place, that he was born in poverty, that he was uh, laid in a manger, and Father, we thank you that he came for us, he came to suffer and die that he might bear our sins in his body on the tree. Father, we thank you that the Lord Jesus is today is risen from the dead. He is alive forevermore, and every knee shall bow before him. And Father, we pray for anyone here today who is not saved, that they also may come to know the Lord Jesus as their own personal Savior. Father, we ask you this, and we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.